Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to Out of the Blue on this beautiful Sunday morning. It is currently 11.31. You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR, 855am. Or you could be listening on digital radio or online at 3cr.org.au. And we are excited to announce that Out of the Blue is now podcasting. So my name's Heather. And I'm Erin. We'd like to welcome you to the show today. Today we're going to be talking uh, a little bit about the election because... We actually planned a show thinking we'd have a result this morning, and uh, we don't. It's a very interesting time to be an Australian. Uh, Maybe I'm borrowing some lines from Turnbull there, but it certainly is not a very good morning for him. He didn't get the result he wanted. No. Um, But it's certainly going to be very interesting uh, over the next couple of weeks and possibly even months about where exactly we're heading. Yeah, we might go to a quick announcement and then we'll come back to our election talk. We will try and make it as interesting as possible, though. reason why we had to have a program on 3CR was because of the failure uh, of other radio stations, so-called independent radio stations, which were not letting us have our say. It's up to you to keep independent voices on air. Donate now to 3CR's 40th birthday, Radical Radiothon. 3CR was giving us the opportunity to tell our story as it was. And I wouldn't be exaggerating if I say 3CR has been the backbone of our struggle in Australia. Donate now to keep radio radical. All right. Well, before we start our election talk today, I just wanted to put a a massive thank you out there to everybody in Radio Land, I guess we're going to call you. Um, so this year for Radiothon, Out of the Blue managed to um, raise more than our target, which was quite exciting. Ray. 
So um, for Radiothon this year, Out of the Blue raised just over $1,800 and we're pretty excited about that. Yes. So couldn't have done it without you all. For anyone who attended um, our, our trivia night, thank you so much. That was a great night. I didn't get to participate because I'd written a lot of the questions, but it was still fun for me. Aaron, you were involved. Absolutely. I didn't want to uh, miss out on any of the questions, so I, I put my, my brain to the test and uh, I think I did okay. Yeah, well, we couldn't have done it without everybody. So, yeah, I just wanted to start the show with a, a massive thank you for Radiothon and helping us for 3CR's 40th birthday. Election. Oh, election time. I, I, I think I'm getting older. I did spend up... Spent quite a bit of time last night watching the election coverage, uh, waiting to see what would happen in our nation. Uh, who's going to be in charge? You know, what um, factors are going to have their say? You know, what little minor parties will have a big influence? That we... definitely makes you more adult than me. I flicked over to a kids' movie <laughs> well, um, about an alien landing on a planet. Look, I do have to admit, about <laughs> halfway through, I thought I was being really adult. I was enjoying it, but about halfway through, I, I flicked over to some uh, True Blood, which I'm currently watching. Oh, okay. So from uh, watching. Um, some vampires on TV get elected to watching vampires on a science fiction show. Look, all relevant, I feel, in this day absolutely. and age. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think, I guess by yesterday afternoon, there was talk that maybe we wouldn't have a government by this morning. And so, uh, yeah, it definitely became evident later and later into the evening. It's certainly um, quite interesting. You know, we, we may have a hung parliament by the end of the week. We may have a small majority coalition government. I think the numbers are against Labor forming a majority government in their own right. Yeah, from what I've read this morning, they're saying it's extremely unlikely however, that Labor can do that. However, what Bill Shorten has done, you know, whether you support Labor or not, he's turned his party around, he's uh, brought them all together, and they have clawed back a huge amount of she- uh, seats in comparison to the 2013 elections. So definitely, you know, certainly a successful campaign. He may not be governing in his own right, uh, but he's certainly uh, got the support of his party. He does need to learn how to eat um, a sausage and bread, though. <laughs> I'm sure everybody's seen that. It made it huge on Facebook yesterday. What I loved was as soon as he bit it down the middle, you could see he regretted. He absolutely regretted. He thought, uh-oh, this is going wrong. But of course, I've got Camera's in front of me, so I'm committed to this. Committed to eating it. And then he realised, you could just see the moment he's like, no, I need I need to get out of here and just turned around and ate it with, with his back to the cameras, Look, to which be was fair, great. I think he was probably confused too. It appeared to be a sausage in a bun. Um, That's right. Yeah, I was con- yeah, I was surprised how, there was how, no bread involved I understand. There. How do you eat a sausage in a bun? Which way, which way is... Like, way I get that that's a hot dog. Like, I understand that's what a hot dog is, but I feel it should be a sausage in bread at the election. If you're going to have a sausage chisel... On election day, uh, you know, a national Australia day, you have to have the traditional sausage sizzle. Yeah, definitely. Yep, the bread. But we're not going to judge him on how he eats a sausage and bread. No, we we do want to judge him on his policies. Um, and look, absolutely, his policies may not be able to uh, become into fruition as much as he wants, but he's certainly going to have a huge say in the current government, however it's formed, in the next couple of years. It was eight weeks, eight weeks of non-stop election talk, oh, yes. and I feel. And I don't know about you, but I feel the environment didn't get enough time in the spotlight. It didn't. Absolutely. And and look, I want to say we've had an official election announcement for eight weeks, but really this campaign has been run since February. Mm. So it's been a mammoth build-up to this. Huge. And there's been so many announcements in relation to the environment and the Great Barrier Reef within social media circles and within news spheres. But it hasn't had the uh, interest it has needed within the major political party sphere. It just it just hasn't occurred. No. Now, 
the the language on the environment has changed. With when we had Abbott, we had the very traditional conservative uh, diatribe that anything to do with the environment was opposed to the economy. Oh, of course, if we save the environment, yep. then we have no money. Absolutely, that was pretty much the message. A that very we got there. look, I would say Neanderthal approach is yep. that basically. If we support anything, um, if we regulate anything, we bring in any protection laws for the environment, jobs are going to be lost. Oh, if we make big business pay for any environmental damage they're doing, we're doomed. Like that would seem to be the message there. Absolutely. And yet he did bring in the Direct Action Plan, which actually gave money to the big polluters if they reduced their pollution. Unfortunately, as we've seen, um, these big polluters would rather just offset their pollution. So they'll purchase mm. a bit of land, say, look, we've actually got this forest here that we're not going to touch. So that actually offsets our own pop, um, pollution. But it's we'll take like that a, hand it's out. It's almost like a smoke screen. It's like, look at this beautiful forest over here. And then behind your back, they're doing all this environmental damage. Absolutely. They're like magicians. And I think this is so ironic because Tony Abbott's campaign was basically won and uh, driven on the removal of the carbon tax, because as he claimed, this was a huge burden on the Australian um, household. Now, just a side point, Treasury did do some costings a year after the carbon tax did come in. And look, I even I think the, the word wording carbon tax is a little off, but they did do some costings that the rise in the median house pricing after the introduction was 0.04%. Oh, that's really going to break the budget, isn't and it? And they can't even attribute that to the introduction of the carbon tax. So it's a bit ridiculous that then uh, Tony Abbott brings in the Direction Action Plan and then actually pays money from taxpayers straight to the big polluters. Mm. It's not and working. Look, I, I feel like the big polluters, they, they're usually multi-million, if not multi-billion dollar companies. So they have the money that they can put into development and research to make themselves cleaner. I don't necessarily believe we should be giving them money to do that. No, absolutely not. It and should be public pressure that is forcing these companies to do the right thing. It shouldn't be because they're going to get some kickbacks from the government. Of course. And I do agree with something Abbott said. He did did say that we should be encouraging these companies to make these changes on their own. That, that's absolutely true. But if public and, and governmental policies are driving that as well and enforcing that, we do obtain a greater result. Absolutely we do. True. I guess you need to attack it from more than one front. Of course. Yeah. Of course. We need to have public awareness. We need to have these systems in place within the actual private sphere. But we also need government supporting that in any way they can. And look, the carbon tax was fantastic. But we are beyond the carbon tax. We've moved on for that. It's gone. Uh, whether we adopt a carbon pricing scheme in the future, that remains to be seen. But what has changed is the language. Turnbull, I've always been a little bit soft on Turnbull. I do like him. I do not support his current policies because of his current front bench. But Turnbull seems like an intelligent speaker, and he has softened the language, at least, on the environment. Now, he's only been in power about a year, so he is still running the policies from his previous Abbott-Eric government. Hmm. Um, it remains to be seen whether he still remains in power and those uh, uh, environmental policies will change. Uh, but at the moment, they're still a little bit um, archaic. Mm. Well, one of the things that disappoints me is there was a, a big report that came out recently and um, all mention of the Great Barrier Reef being destroyed or even under threat um, was removed from this report. And that allegedly came from the Australian government. They put forth that any mention of damage to the Great Barrier Reef would impact on our tourism. 
It's absolutely mind-blowing that this got passed. And how did Australia have this support? How did they have this strength to implement this change within a, a, like a UN report? Yeah. The UN is supposed to be a conglomerate of all the nations, but it is supposed to be above a single nation. Yeah, and unbiased. And, and biased and report the truth. Yeah. I, I think it's absolutely astonishing that this has happened. Absolutely astonishing. And I also think, too, if you mention to people that the Great Barrier Reef is under threat, I don't know about you, but if I was told that an amazing national landmark was under threat, I would be more likely to go and see said landmark. Yes, like I- if somebody told me that the, you know, the Amazon, I know the Amazon is under threat, don't get me wrong, but if somebody told me the Amazon would be wiped out tomorrow, like there would be no Amazon left tomorrow, I'd book a ticket today. I don't <laughs> want to miss that stuff. Unfortunately, that is a reality. The Great Barrier Reef, we are seeing massive coral bleaching issues. It Huge, is compounded like 90- by... Three percent affected via some degree, yeah. absolutely. And you do see some political spin by the conservatives saying, "Oh, but it's mostly alive." What's mostly alive? That's terrible. We are seeing effects by coral bleaching via climate change. We're seeing it from the regional uh, temperature patterns of El Nino, and we're seeing a massive problem with water quality because mm. of fisheries and off-run of the agricultural farms. products. Now, definitely, absolutely. This is something that has been implemented in policies via the coalition and the Labor governments, and of course, Greens. I mean, I, we can talk all day about the, the wonderful. Uh, work that the green support in the environment. I even have green nail polish to support the green. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's my and, little thing. And look, <laughs> I, I live in the electorate of Batman, which A, in itself, is awesome. I live in the electorate of Batman. Yeah, awesome. Batman, but yes, we'll and let we, that go. And we might, about, might be about to go green. Alex Bethel is about to win, which is fantastic. That is pretty exciting. That's definitely something to keep wa- uh, watch on today, I guess. Absolutely. Now, both major parties, Labor and Liberal, are sticking to a 2050 plan to improve water quality. Liberal government have come out during the campaign, in the, maybe in the last couple of weeks, when they've realised that public opinion is against them and they really need to step up. And they announced $1 billion worth of funding to improve water quality. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, like I, I don't even have a million dollars or, you know, sometimes I don't even have $1,000. So a billion is just, that blows my mind. To it, me, that seems like so much money. It does seem like just a very arbitrary, very large number. Unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately this is not new funding. It was actually just a restatement of something that was already within the national budget as of the last budget. So, so repackaged and repackaged, resold. Repackaged. Now, absolutely, they could be diverting some funding, but uh, this is funding that will last to about 2050. So whether this Hold will on, have on, any so impact. So $1 billion until 2050. Absolutely, they could be um, putting in more funding as it goes along, but that is what they've Delegated break it moment. down. That's not it's as not much. big it's per not year as it sounds. It's not much. Labor, however, have come out and they've got some unspecified amounts that they have said once in government they will implement this straight away, which is fantastic. And they have also committed to removing the one-stop shop policy implemented by the Tony Abbott government. Now, I do want to, again, stress that Turnbull's only been in a year. He has adopted a lot of the Abbott era policies. Whether these will change in the future, I don't know. But one of the key problems for the environment and definitely for the marine environment is the implementation of the one-stop policy, one-stop shop policy. In a nutshell, if a state wants to get environmental approval, Tony Abbott removed what he called the green tape. He took all away. They can approach the federal government, they get a tick in a box, and then they can do whatever they like. Unfortunately, because of this, it has eroded the ability of the federal government to step in and change anything they need to or actually put a ban or a stop to projects they don't deem in the national interest. But we, I mean, we're one country. I understand that there are multiple states, but surely the federal government should have the say over everything. 
in a conservative sense, they support a small government that really, unfortunately, doesn't actually consider the effect of the environment much because all they're considering is the regional jobs. I'll give you an example. When this all first came in, Franklin Dam, I'm sure many of our listeners are aware of this. Franklin Dam was a major political win for the nation as a whole. In Tasmania, they wanted to build a dam. Um, Tasmania were doing it tough in, in uh, economically. However, it was seen as an environmental disaster. And the federal government, after a landmark win, stepped in and said, no, this is not in the national interest. The one-stop shop has effectively removed that ability for the federal government to step in. If Labor does get in, they will re- they'll get rid of this one-stop policy and they'll implement more robust environmental measures. Again, this is a, a government in opposition, so they can say whatever they want. True. And as we as we we can sometimes see, you know, when they once they get into to power, it can either take a long time or not at all for some of these policies to actually kick in. So, mm. and and we don't know who's in power at the moment. So, no. Well, as they keep saying today, you know, the votes start to be recounted again on uh, Tuesday. So yep. we, so we might won't be know waiting. for a while. And I remember the last time we had a, a hung parliament, which was uh, twenty ten, I think, from memory. It took us quite some time to work out who was in power and what was happening. Now, a hung parliament is not necessarily a terrible thing. It happens all over the world and governments run in this way and things get done. So a hung parliament is not necessarily something that we should fear. But you do need an an economic plan, an environmental plan uh, that is not just opposed every step of the way. We do need a direction, whichever way, for good or worse, within this nation. Um, So that is what a hung parliament can actually really counteract. So hopefully... Uh, Nick Xenophon and unfortunately Pauline Hansen can actually uh, help us with whatever direction that we head in. Well, let's hope we're all thinking the same direction because yeah. otherwise this could be a disaster. Absolutely. Now, if anyone was watching very late night, you stayed up and you were listening to the TV, you would have said Bill Shorten get up and have a very, uh, some would say a combatant speech, uh, very rousing for his uh, Labor Party faithfuls. Uh, he talked about what Labor stands for. And look, he absolutely did succeed if you support Labor or not. His party clawed back a lot of seats they had previously lost in the 2000 election. And that's big when you're in opposition. Absolutely. Yeah. And they've certainly, well, they've made Turnbull sweat. Turnbull was hoping to form a majority government. He may still do so, but not necessarily on the terms that he would like. Yeah, and definitely. of course, he's got a whole week to sweat over. Now, Part of Bill Shorten's speech was to talk about all the things they are supporting. They are supporting Gonski funding. They are. Um, I definitely supporting... agree with that. Being an environmental oh, educator, yeah, education is the way. So important. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these things that Labor often bring in, they are just completely eroded by the Liberal government, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, very key to the speech I found very very interesting is we were talking about the uh, political language surrounding the environment, and often there's a lot of talk, but there's no action. One, the fourth thing that. Bill Shorten did mention in his speech about their policies was to do with climate change. He actually mentioned that we are a party that support real action on climate change. Now, they've been cheering. there had been a bit of fanfare throughout the entire night. However, it was this particular mention where his uh, Labor Party faithful, so the people actually listening to him, actually cheered the most. Mm. They didn't need to. They were cheering all night. This was the topic that they felt was strongest to them. Mm. That says something to me. I think that's absolutely fantastic that these are people, they're not, there's no big sign saying applause, when to applause, when to boo. They actually supported this. Yeah. Uh, now, if Labor was to form government, that is somewhat promising. Somewhat promising. It's nice to just hear somebody saying that, you know, climate change is real and we actually need to take some action on it. Fantastic. Yes, absolutely. Tony Abbott often 
uh, and I would say he probably didn't like doing this, but he'd always say, oh, yes, t- um, climate change is real and let's do nothing about it. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like it's fine to acknowledge that it's happening, but come on, you have to do something to mitigate what's happening. Absolutely. Like generations to come are going to be screwed. Yes. Uh, and unfortunately, this goes back to the conservative, very short-term goal in terms of environmental policy. that They, they believe that they need to make money in the short term. because exactly. Which is, is a horrible way of thinking, really. Because these environments, they support agriculture. They support tourism. They ins- support everything that we actually, as a society, need for free. Yeah. And we want to go in there, we mine these areas, we strip them, and we gain a little bit of funding in the short term, and there's nothing left for future generations. I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show um, Utopia. It's either on ABC or SBS, I can't remember. Uh, Great show, but it's a bit of a satire about government. And it's hilarious because in so many episodes, it'll be all about, but what can we build right now? And like one of the episodes is like, oh, you know, we can build something like a sports stadium. It's like, but we don't need a sports stadium. It's like, yeah, but we've got the money. We can build one. We can put our name on it. Everyone will know that our government Uh, built it. And I'm like, yes, hilarious, really funny to watch, but it's really true. Absolutely. They've really hit on something there. We did see in those regional seats, those swinging seats that were very crucial for Labor or Liberal, both parties sweeping on in and saying, oh, we've got our $160 million for you for this particular hospital. And I'm not saying these funds weren't needed, but it's very interesting that they are in the swing seats versus the convenient, opposition isn't seats. Convenient, it? Very convenient. It's almost like they'd planned that. It's hmm. almost like we're cynical. <laughs> And I did see a report out the other day that the Liberals have been spending big in the Liberal heartlands and the swing seats. Very funnily, not in the Labor heart seats. Oh, Interesting. Funny that. Yeah, that doesn't fill me with trust for a party. If they were really interested in the national interest, it doesn't fill me with with faith, really. No. Well, something that is filling me with faith, though, is the number of people that I've seen online who are taking on Plastic Free July. Now, Earth Matters, which was just on before us, was talking about Plastic Free July and how people are trying to reduce the use of single-use plastic items because they are ending up in the ocean and by 2050 we'll have more pieces of plastic than we do fish, which is very disturbing. So I've taken on Plastic Free July and rather than just aiming for the big four, which is what they recommend, which is uh, plastic straws, plastic bags, plastic bottles and uh, takeaway coffee cups, I'm aiming for no single-use plastic. And it's day three, and I'm willing to admit that I've failed so far. I used a cotton bud the other day, but I do have some on order that have paper in the middle rather than plastic. And yesterday, my parents arrived home from Vietnam, and mum gave me this beautiful bracelet. It's made out of, um, I think, coconut wood or something. Uh, I don't know. It's fantastic, but it was wrapped in plastic, so I'm going to claim that as well. But it is considered a challenge. It's not about winning or losing or failing or succeeding. It's about just trying to make those changes. And I've been really inspired by how many people are doing that. And at least you're actually trying to make these changes. And, you know, it doesn't have to be plastic-free July. It could be plastic-free the rest of the year. Well, exactly. They say in order for something to become habit, you need to do it for 21 days. That's right. Luckily, July is a little bit longer than that. So I'm hoping if I can change my mindset for the whole month of July, that yes, it will just move on to the everyday. Absolutely, a lot practice. of these, a lot of these products that you're adopting now don't necessarily need to be just for July. No. So 
small steps, baby steps, but if we all implement these little steps, we might actually make that little bit exactly. of a difference. And it's interesting. I was chatting to somebody in the office the other day and she said, oh, stainless steel straws, really? Is that something you think people would walk around with in their bags? And I literally pulled my stainless steel straw out of my bag. <laughs> like I have two in my bag at the moment. Um, and it's really nice when I go to a cafe and I say, no straw, please. And I put in my stainless steel. It starts that conversation and people are like, oh, yeah. that's really interesting. Fantastic. Why aren't you getting Fantastic. a straw? Look, really interesting to engage in conversation. As, as, a, as a male, I, I don't carry a handbag or any bag with lots of things in there. And I look, some people do. Mm. Um, and it, it does make it quite difficult for me. I usually have my wallet, my yep. phone, my keys, and that's it. Yeah, I it's hard to carry a key cup anything. and a reusable bag. Exactly, and, yeah. exactly. But if we do spend dry July trying to implement those little changes, then we can figure out how these things can be actually quite convenient for us, just with a little bit of thought. Even if your challenge is just to rethink one item every day. Yeah, Just absolutely. one item. If you are rethinking that... You can make a massive difference. Fantastic. Well, unfortunately, that brings us to the end of our show today. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, you can listen to our show online for the next week at 3cr.org.au. But we're also podcasting. And as far as I know, we've got the last four or five shows up on podcast. So definitely jump on there and have a listen too. Well, make sure you get out and enjoy the sun. It was a little bit sunny when we it arrived was great in the today. studio. We're hoping it, it remains that way. Apparently it's going to be raining for the rest of the week though. Oh, fantastic. I'm over winter already. Um, and up next we have Sally with Out of the Pan. So enjoy your day. <laughs>